Hey folks, welcome to the AABIP podcast. This is Samir Avasarala from Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm your host for this episode. Thank you all for joining us today. This is an episode I wish I had when I was an IP fellow, the IP job search. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Dan Sturman join us. Dan is an interventional pulmonologist, a world-renowned mesothelioma expert, the director of NYU's Port Oncology Research Team, and important for this podcast, the director of the Division of Pulmonary, Critical Care, and Sleep Medicine at NYU Langone Medical Center. He's also a professor of medicine and cardiothoracic surgery at the NYU School of Medicine. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Samir. I wish my mother had the chance to listen to your introduction. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Dan, do you have any relevant conflicts of interest to disclose? Absolutely none. All right. Uh, I, a... I, the, only, the only relevant conflict I have, Samir, is that uh, we're trying to recruit interventional pulmonologists right now to NYU. Uh, I'm sure automatically this is going to be one of the most listened to podcasts that we've ever put out. <laughs> um, as a reminder, the views expressed on this podcast are those of the speaker of mine and not necessarily endorsed by the AABIP. With the formalities done, well, let's get started. All right. So IP fellowship is uh, is an intense and enriching experience. In a very short time, fellows are expected to learn essential procedural skills, teach, engage in research, and importantly, plan their next life phase. Finding your first job out of training is stressful. We could all use some tips and tricks. Let's hear un- the unique perspective from today's guest. Dan, you've been practicing IP for about 25 years. What's your take on the current job market and where it's going? That's a great question, Samir. I'm still get, trying to get a handle on, on it myself. I can't say that I know what the market is like. Uh, I, I know uh, what um, the jobs look like out there. I have I have some sense of what that looks like. And also, I have a unique perspective, which is from a, an academic medical center, what we're looking for in terms of uh, graduates of interventional or pulmonary fellowship programs or those who are already out in jobs who might be looking to uh, change careers or change directions in terms of their career. So it's an interesting landscape um, uh, because uh, some of the areas that people might be looking to go to are saturated uh, and and fellows have to make some interesting choices from my perspective. They have to choose whether to uh, be uh, one faculty member in a large established group Sure. Uh, where they have lots of chance to um, hone their skills further, uh, as you mentioned uh, in your introduction. Uh, interventional pulmonary fellowship training, for the most part, is one year. Uh, it's a lot to learn, uh, a lot to encompass in one year. And I like to tell our fellows when I do work with them that the learning doesn't stop when they graduate. It's mm-hmm. only starting. Uh, and so you have to ask yourself whether you want to be uh, one in a number of uh, more senior faculty uh, whether you want to go uh, to a practice, uh, even an academic medical center that may not have an interventional program. There are mm-hmm. fewer of those now than there were a decade ago uh, where you would go and start your own program at at least at an academic medical center. And then whether to go out into the community and what the jobs may look like in the community in terms of what the skill sets needed are and what the the higher volume of procedures and the types of patients that you'd be seeing out in the community may differ significantly. Uh, and so the career trajectories can differ. Uh, what you're going to be focusing your career on will differ. And then the combinations of workload that individual fellows may be just dis- discussing, meaning is this going to be an interventional pulmonary only position? And we can talk broadly about what that means. Uh, is it going to encompass other uh, aspects of one's career, including critical care or outpatient pulmonary medicine? 
uh, or inpatient pulmonary consultation? And how should one think about mixing and matching all of the different combinations in deciding a career path? Yeah, I think from my search, uh, not too long ago, it, it seems like opportunities run the gamut and you, you have to decide what's important to you and kind of hone in on those things. Um, Dan, you are in a very unique position that you are an interventional pulmonologist and, the, and a division director. In general, what do you think division directors look for in, in IP fellows coming out of training, looking for their first job? Well, obviously, you want to start with competency. And uh, boy, that's a difficult thing to be able to assess, especially since uh, uh, unless it's our own fellow, I, either myself or my colleagues in the interventional pulmonary section here won't have worked with the individual. So um, as has been um, of great interest uh, through a variety, variety of discussions within the interventional pulmonary and other procedural communities, how can one assess um competency is is it, it number based uh is it evaluation based uh and so first and foremost we want to make sure someone is procedurally competent that they can function independently because starting in july after graduation we may ask um that graduating interventional pul pulmonologist she or he to be on their own with among the most challenging situations one can imagine in medicine, you know, tracheal obstruction and someone having massive hemoptysis mm -hmm. uh, with declining oxygen saturations, uh, hypercapnia, and a difficult airway. Can they handle such a situation? So that's, I think that's first and foremost is um, that ability. And then we look forward beyond just the technical aspects of that, but what is their uh, ability from a, a, an emotional, and interpersonal, a leadership perspective to be able, ha able to handle very challenged situations in which you have to deal not only with life-threatening situations, but um, political situations in the hospital with other services and be able sure. to work well with others, with the OR team and, and with other uh, individuals. The third thing that we would look for uh, is um, a, a sense that they uh, have a, uh, an importance for the patient-doctor relationship and they have skill sets in that area that they, um, uh, and it's hard to get into assess when you're interviewing someone and looking at their CV, how well uh, they're, they work with patients and how well they interact with patients. But you know, I think from talking to a lot of people, you can get a general sense of how well that would work. And then lastly, again, this is something that is of great importance to me, is mm -hmm. what kind of career do they, do they want to have uh, in the larger uh, medicine community, pulmonary community, and their interventional pulmonary community? Uh, what kind of contributions are they going to be making? Uh, do they want to be a leader? What type of leader do they want to be? Um, are they going to have a niche within interventional pulmonology that will be important to us in the division uh, and to our medical center? Uh, and is this a niche that they can develop where they have uh, regional, national, and ultimately international expertise and recognition? So I think those are, to me, the, the most important points. And I guess, lastly, um, how do they work well with, uh, how would they work well with the team that we have in place? Um, do they feel like a good fit for our other faculty and our advanced practice providers, our operating room and procedural nurses. Um, uh, if that doesn't work, they can have all the other criteria, but we can't move forward with that recruitment. 
Yeah, I, I agree that that last one's uh, pretty important. In my personal experience, finding my first job at a fellowship was one of the most stressful phases of my career. You know, after matching into IP fellowship, my enthusiasm was extraordinarily high. I remember reaching out to folks about jobs right away. Um, in hindsight, that was probably a bit too early. What do you suggest is the right time for future current IP fellows to dip their toes into the job market search? Well, let me just back up a second and just say that, and this may be somewhat heretical, the first job that one has is not the last job that one sure. has. Um, there's some great examples that we have from our own international pulmonary community, which people have worked uh, for several years in one location, acquired a, a, a skill set, a knowledge base, uh, moved on to higher levels of leadership and, and, and progress in their career. So I think that I, I, I'm not, I would never hire someone with the goal of them leaving us, but it was our own fellow and they had an opportunity uh, that seemed right, but they had some concerns. I would reassure them by saying that there are always other opportunities to move on thereafter. Mm-hmm. So that that that's first and foremost um, uh, in terms of what what advice that I would give them in that regard. The IP fellowship uh, training breadth continues to grow. So the last I checked, there are around forty IP fellowships out there right now, which roughly translates to about 40 new grads a year. What do you suggest applicants do to set themselves apart from the rest of the pack? Well, again, there are different people looking at at those applications as they're applying. Um, and even within our own division and interventional pulmonary section here at NYU, we have uh, different goals and aspirations uh, for, for those applicants, for those faculty. So I will say that Samir, uh, I tend to look more so because of my own background at what the potential uh, academic contributions of the interventional what might be. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are they publishing? Are they presenting? Are they interested in publishing and presenting? Do they have an area of research interest? It doesn't have to be in basic or translational science. It can be a cl- an area of clinical research. Uh, but I'm really looking for that person who's going to be in the podium at the AAVIP conference, at CHEST, at ATS, um, at the World Congress of Bronchology, uh, not necessarily right away, but in the future. That that type of individual is what I'm looking for. And uh, as I'm interviewing people and looking at their CVs, uh, I'm trying to read between the lines to see if the applicants have that capacity, have that interest, have that drive to ultimately be uh, in that position. Absolutely. Yeah. So this brings me, we, we touched a little bit about this earlier. The IP fellowship is, for the most part, an additional year training. And not too long ago in 2022, the ACGMA accredited IP as a formal subspecialty fellowship. However, most institutions don't have an IP only job, strictly speaking. How do job applicants navigate this perplexing discrepancy? Uh, well, there are two aspects to it. One is the job applicant themselves, and the other is the division director who's hiring them and trying to put together a position. Let's take it from an applicant's perspective first, if we can, Samir. So mm-hmm. I think it really depends upon what uh, what interests the individual has. There are many interventional pulmonary fellows out there who really enjoy being uh, an intensivist as well. Uh, and so they actually pursue, and, and rightly so, pursue having critical care opportunities in their position, uh, in their ultimate faculty position. Uh, and so that, that's um, uh, certainly true in the community where community positions may uh, absolutely require some critical care. That may be less so at some academic medical centers. But it, a lot of it has to do with what the uh, 
uh, interests are of, of the IP fellow themselves. So uh, again, you should find a job that fits your career uh, goals uh, first and foremost. And so if your career goal is to maintain your skills as an intensivist outside of being that interventional pulmonology consultant in the ICU, I think you should try to get a certain amount of time as an intensivist. And uh, one could argue what the minimum amount of time is to maintain competency as an intensivist, but it's probably somewhere around six to eight weeks or equivalent of ICU time over the course of 12 months. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there are, uh, and that's fairly common among graduating IP fellows in terms of having that level of interest. I think having a, a general outpatient practice outside of interventional pulmonary focused patient populations is less of an interest. Uh, and inpatient pulmonary consultation is also less of an interest in part because interventional pulmonologists will do a lot of inpatient consultation of their own, interacting with house staff, other services, uh, with general pulmonary critical care fellows and other pulmonary critical care faculty. So it doesn't seem to be as much of a need uh, to maintain that as a separate skill set for most applicants. So, but for me, it's really about critical care and then to some degree about how much outpatient time vis-a-vis uh, -vis time uh, in the procedure suite or in the IP operating room an individual would want to have. Uh, in academic medical centers, it's challenging because we have a lot of people who work as full-time intensivists Sure. It's hard sometimes to carve out um, that uh, that time for the IP applicant to actually do time in the intensive care unit, especially six to eight weeks a year, uh, other than perhaps nights. And that's a separate issue, which is, you know, what type of critical care does one want to do? Nights mm -hmm. and weekends may not be as attractive. And uh, weekday shifts are at a premium at most major academic centers, which have dedicated intensivist services from it. From the division director perspective, as I'm looking at an applicant, I have to decide whether I can uh, put together an offer that will be attractive to the applicant. And that includes a financial offer. offer. And it is a fact that, uh, at least at our institution, I'm sure this is true of, at others, that we can compensate individuals more for critical care than almost any other clinical activity uh, that one can do uh, uh, within a pulmonary critical care division. Uh, and certainly more so than uh, any general pulmonary services, inpatient or outpatient, um, and and more so than even interventional pulmonary um, in terms of uh, outside of a direct negotiation, say, with a, a thoracic oncology service line. So sometimes we have to build an offer with some critical care just to reach the salary uh, that individuals uh, desire. Uh, and regardless of whether the individual is strongly advocating for having critical care as part of their own. Yeah, not a not a simple one size fits all solution for that one. I, I think the the things that I noted are advantages of being outside the Bronx suite or the OR uh, would be you get to know different people working around the hospital. And importantly for me, it's been one of the only venues that I get to interact with the residents. Um, I, I get to treat and. Uh, patients and teach pulmonary critical care fellows every day, regardless of whether it's in the, the suite clinic, et cetera. But um, rounding in the ICU is m one of my only outlets and opportunities to treat, um, teach the residents here. And that's been a very, 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 very useful for career, career development. And uh, it's, it's been something I enjoy. So Dan, time for closing remarks. Anything you feel we left out that's important to discuss on this topic? Uh, no, I, I think that it's important to, to look broadly uh, and to really ask oneself 
uh, what one's, what, what the goals are out of a career. We haven't talked about what I used to call work-life balance, and now I've switched around to life-work balance. I think <laughs> you have to ask yourself what life-work balance that you want and desire and how much of that uh, outside life you're willing to sacrifice for uh, advancing in one's academic career or, or, or medical career in general. Uh, there's no right answer to that. Again, we're very much involved in wellness activities. We want to maintain the, uh, the health and sanity and safety of our faculty as well as of our fellows. Um, but there's no question that interventional pulmonary requires a lot of dedication and to build an academic career superimposed upon having a strong clinical private presence is challenging. And so you really have to ask deep down within oneself, what am I willing to do? What is important to me? Uh, is my family my number one priority, which it, you know, it should be in most cases? Um, where does my career lie? And what, what am I willing to do to make my career go forward? And there are no right or wrong answers. You just want to have, you have to be true to yourself in terms of what that answer should be. Absolutely. I agree with all those things. Uh, Dan, this was wonderful. We really appreciate your time. Uh, no doubt you're going to get a few more applications for that job search uh, after this podcast. So I'm glad we <laughs> can help out with that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan. Thank you. Thanks, Samir. Take care.